You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. I've been threatening, maybe promising, that I'm going to bring some guests back because what they're doing is just so meaningful to me. Some people just have to come back for a second time, maybe some three, who knows. But today that's the case. I have guests that were on, I'm going to say it was back in September, October, something like that of 2021, I believe. And just delightful people. Now they've gone and published a book. And it's an amazing book. I'm going to read something from the book and then give you the title and introduce my guests. This was so profound. This book is the only way I can still tell my story as thoroughly as I'd like. My voice can only handle a few breathy sentences at a time these days. So I'm grateful you are here to read all the words I need to write to share my story. In this journey, I have learned that hope is not a delicate, sweet thing. Rather, hope is powerful. Hope isn't weak. Hope isn't timid. Hope is a badass and a brave warrior. My story is one of sadness, fear, laughter, and love. But really, it is a story about what happens when hope fights back. With love, Andrea. P.S. Go on, be brave, and ALS. The name of the book is Hope Fights Back, 50 Marathons, and a life or death race against ALS. It's just going to be such a great pleasure to welcome back to Mike's Seminary and Friends, Andrea and David, Pete, little Pete. Great to see both of you. How are you? I'm going to start with you, Andrea. I am so good, and it is uh, great to see you and I hear your voice again. Absolutely. Likewise, thank you. And you, David? Absolutely. It's it's such a pleasure, especially a pleasure now that we know that we're, we're one of the first, maybe the only <laughs> second-timers. So. You are the first. Some people think they deserve a second chance, <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> but... Maybe they do, but not today. Just you two. First of all, Andrea, the, the the book, as I was sharing with both of you, Andrea, David, was so powerful. It is such a remarkable love story. Um, and you write beautifully with regards to the ravages i'm going to use the word ravages of als and how it changes people i think i shared with you if, if i didn't i apologize 
I've had seven people in my life that have experienced ALS. So this book was what I thought I knew a little bit was so revealing about the incredible changes in a person's life and the importance of family and community. And you just write so beautifully about it. So here's my first question, and I'll shut up. What prompted you to, to write the book? That's the first question. And then the second is, when you knew you were going to write it, did you know you'd be so direct at times about things that you'd share about your life? Um, thank you um, for those uh, kind words about the uh, book. Um, I started a blog um, uh, early on uh, to uh, share about what was happening to me uh, medically, and then I realized that people were quoting language uh, from my blog back uh, to me and as, a, as something that uh, uh, inspired them. And so I wanted to uh, write more of my story uh, early on. Um, um, I give so much credit to my uh, co-author, Meredith Alwyn, who uh, helped me um, in all of the uh, best ways. Um, I gave her like 100,000 words and we uh, hadn't even uh, gotten to the marathons yet. Um, <laughs> so she um, had to uh, cut all that back and uh, help me clarify the parts that would uh, resonate uh, with our readers. And so uh, definitely it is better um, because I had uh, her help and we went back and forth um, a lot. Mm -hmm. well, for the sake of listeners, Meredith Atwood, I'll read what she has. I can't remember if it's on her blog or whatever, but she's a recovering attorney. You don't know what that's like yet, David, right? I mean, you're you're still an attorney. Yeah, closer every day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I've run with plenty of them, by the way, over the course of my time on this planet. Recovering attorney, wife, mother of two, four-time Ironman triathlete, and as of 2010, 13 years ago, I, I don't think she had competed in in anything at all, anything remotely close to uh, uh, Iron Man. And she's written a number of books. And she just learned she was co-author of this incredible book with Andrea, Hope Fights Back, 50 Marathons, and a Life or Death Race Against ALS. Meredith's books are triathlon for the every woman you can be did i read that right triathlon for every woman you can be a triathlete and then the year of no nonsense how to get over yourself 
and on with your life. I'm assuming that had probably something to do with COVID or something. And then she has a blog, Swim Bike Mom. And it's uh, off, off the intro. How did you meet Meredith? So uh, Meredith and I uh, met through her um, online um, uh, triathlon group. And um, right when I was uh, uh, training for my uh, half Ironman, and um, so when I I announced that and uh, shared um, photos, and then um, you know a year later I told everyone that I was uh, diagnosed with uh, ALS, and uh, yeah, group it's about uh, three thousand, and uh, Meredith really um, helped them to uh, rally. Uh, around me and uh, raise money for our, our research and we've uh, just uh, stayed uh, in touch and so I reached out to her for some uh, writing um, uh, coaching uh, initially and over the course of uh, talking we said let's just do this uh, together. Mm. To refresh everybody's memory, I met Andrea and David. Somebody actually gave me a call, a reporter from North Dakota, Bismarck, because there's this person doing a marathon, I think a day or two apart, something like that, one in South Dakota, one in North Dakota. And this person has ALS. And she's her goal is to do 50 marathons in 50 states. And I said, I, I have, to, first of all, I'm an avid runner. And I I need to meet this person. I have to visit with somebody that has this goal of 50 marathons in 50 states after being diagnosed with ALS. And we had this wonderful uh, conversation. And I've been following your the things that you do, but I, I want to refresh people's minds about one thing: their memories. You're a you're an urban planner, and one thing I'm going to say: we probably have something really in common here. I'm not an urban planner. I worked with them. I worked in the engineering industry, and much like an urban planner, I'm always thinking about walkability. I'm thinking about. Um, what are better ways to design our communities so they're more sustainable, more livable, et cetera, et cetera. We can use our car less. It's better for the environment, all of that stuff. But more selfishly, and I think this is probably something you share as well, when you sometimes think like an urban planner, I'm not, mm -hmm. and you're a runner or you're or you're a cyclist, you look at communities different. You look at everything differently. You see things people never see because of what you're observing. So two questions. One, you're a recovering urban planner and yeah. Meredith's a recovering attorney. When you're participating now and you've done well over 50 marathons, I think that's right when I say that. Do you still, in your urban planner kind of way, when you're 
competing when you're out on your trike, are you still looking at communities in terms of, boy, I think we could probably do that better to be have a, a far better experience for people that are in this community or visiting? Do you still do that? Yeah, I'm totally. I started the journey uh, in part uh, because I, you know, that was the way I could um, uh, continue to uh, explore uh, cities. Um, they showed the Austrians now for a marathon, and I can have my own uh, city tour. Um, so, but now I have the um, uh, perspective of how hard it is to uh, get around uh, using a walker and a scooter um, every day. And um, it has opened my eyes in new ways. And we uh, have a long, long way uh, to go in this uh, country to uh, plan uh, so that everyone can uh, access uh, the places that they want to go. And we, we do. We we, for so long, and for better or worse, I mean, I get it, for so long we designed our communities and everything around a, via, a motor vehicle, a car. And uh, we've learned that that's probably not the best thing to do, you know, in this day and age. But I'm going to talk about a couple of things in the book. First of all, the... Again, I'm going to apologize again. I had intended, because I've never been to Alaska, I had intended, I'm going to get up to Alaska and see Andrea and, and David compete in that marathon. I don't remember if that was 50 or I just don't remember, but it was it was a big one uh, on the list. But we moved. We, we As you were going up to Alaska, we moved, I think I shared that with you from Bismarck to Fargo on the other side of the state for a variety of reasons. So I wasn't able to get there. But you write beautifully about the marathon up in Alaska. So here's my first question about Alaska Marathon. When you're when you're when you're on the course, I'm assuming part of the course you're looking straight at a mountain, a big mountain. Yeah. And does it ever get closer at all? Um, only one year is that. Uh, mm. I I think eventually you realize that you are on the mountain. <laughs> it doesn't really get closer because it's it's just it's just you're part of it already, and you're kind of you're climbing it. Um. So yeah, that's. That was that was my biggest takeaway driving the course with her and then running running the the steepest part with her as she asked me to do. How many people joined you? For, was that the fiftieth? Yeah, that correct. Okay, mm -hmm. that was the fiftieth. And was it April or no, no? What? Uh, May of twenty twenty two. Yeah, just as we were moving. Okay, so uh, how many people joined you? as supporters and followers? Uh, we had uh, 50 uh, people there. Um, 
This is not an easier place to I get to beautiful, <laughs> but people took uh, three planes and two ferries and an hour drive. Um, but they were in uh, my army. I showed up. Yeah. Uh, you you reference being brave and uh, a lot, and you really are. Who, 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 if there is a who, who was the inspiration for taking your your personal? I, I'm I'm going to be brave as I go through this experience. Who was the inspiration for the extent and depth and breadth of of the brave of how brave you are? Who was the ins inspiration for that? Um, that is a great question. It's a combination. Um, you know, I I wrote uh, "Be Brave" on my arm. Um, for the half Ironman, uh, which I was terrified. Um, for um, but then after I was uh diagnosed, um. You know, I realized that uh, Dave and I um, could be depressed or we could uh, live our lives. Um, the uh, time would pass either way. And um, I realized that when I was in a better mood and when I was um, planning and moving forward, uh, then that along uh David who you know was working eighty hour weeks and um trying mm -hmm. to uh plan for you know my uh decline and uh passing uh, that that um gave him uh, courage as well and then he um inspired me my friends um inspired me my family, like everyone who has been uh, around me, um, as much as my friends uh, say that I uh, inspired them, they are uh, showing up uh, for me uh, all the times that I've asked, um, and even when I don't like that uh, keeps me going. What year were you diagnosed? Uh, 2014. 2014. I'm going to scratch the surface of some of the book as we go. My goal is to have people read the book. There's a number of reasons to read this book. One, it's one of the most remarkable love stories I've, I've ever read. And I'm not a love story guy. But this is a, a love story, not just between Andrea and David, but also their love for others and others' love for them. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary book. One. Two, there's going to be a point in time, more than likely, where you're going to have someone in your life that is struggling with health. 
it might be ALS, it might be cancer, it might be Parkinson's. I could list a number of conditions someone could have that you will have people in your life that will experience them. And we all handle that differently. This story goes, there were times I wept. There were, it's pretty hard for me to think of a book where I wept and then somebody changes me to laughing because they're talking about farts. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I can't think of another book that I've read where I go from weeping to laughing hysterically. And I laughed hysterically a number of times. And and then there through three. Life isn't fair. It just isn't fair. And some of us will have will be presented challenges and obstacles that will test our mettle in ways that we never dreamt of. And here's a great story to read, real account of two people and their their other family members about how they deal, the good days and the bad days. And through it all, they still love each other. And you read about the commitment these two people have. I know I'm going on here. I'm so sorry. Uh, but you just have to just have to read the book. You reference, I'm done with that now, for now. You reference your expiration date more than once. Because the average... I, I I don't remember off the top of my head. I think there's like thirty thousand people any 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 given moment living with ALS, mm -hmm. and uh, about every ninety minutes somebody else is diagnosed. Every ninety minutes someone's dying because of ALS. There's no get out of jail card with ALS, and so you very creatively, I might add, talk about that, and you keep you use a number of times your expiration date. The average lifespan is somewhere between two and a half, three, five years is a long time. Mm -hmm. And you're now on nine? Ten. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, why do you use expiration date when when you're writing about your your life, your story, and, and your diagnosis uh well my uh, friend um eddie um had ALS for uh 21 years and he had his um expiration date of um the fifth uh, year of his uh diagnosis uh tattooed on his arm um just to uh, say that um no matter what the uh, doctors tell you, um, the average is like there are people who live longer. Um, so I I always uh, remember that I am an outlier, um, an extreme outlier in this uh, disease, and I never uh, take that uh, for. Uh, granted, and I always uh, come back to this is a ALS is a rotten, uh, terrible 
awful disease that robs people of their ability to walk, talk, uh, eat, uh, swallow, and eventually breathe. And you know, two to five years um, on average, and we know so many friends who lost their loved ones in less than a year. So I never want people to forget that and the urgency um, that we need to raise money to find the accurate uh, treatment for Ella. You formed um, Team DREA Challenge and the foundation. How much money have you raised? And, and this is all, for all practical purposes, all money for finding a cure for ALS. How much money have you raised? Yeah, uh, today we've raised over a million dollars um, since since we started the foundation. Yeah. We're we're immensely proud of of that number, but you know, we, we, we are even more proud of the community that's grown around Andrea. You know, we, we, we certainly, we certainly know that, that, you know, cures don't exclusively come from people cheering you on to come to get to a finish line at a race. They come from, from dollars and from putting those dollars to good use in a lab and to making research smarter, more efficient, um, getting to good treatments sooner. Um, but with, with that community comes eventually those, those outcomes too. And she's built an incredible, incredible following and community. In, in the healthcare providing space, let me put it that way, particularly researchers, do, do you have some regular contact with individuals that that's what they do. They focus on finding some type of cure. That's what the research is doing. And do you have communication with them? If so, what are, what are you learning from when you were diagnosed 10 years ago to today? What kind of advancements are they seeing in the, the search for a cure? Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, in many ways, this is the most hopeful time that there has ever been in ALS. Um, the money that was raised through the flash in the pan ice bucket challenge, which happened right around the same time that Andrea was diagnosed, that that money is just now making its way into the drug research pipeline. And there are lots of really good treatments that are becoming available um, the, the the rub is is that really good treatments in ALS right now are defined as treatments that extend life on average when compared with a placebo or you know a, a, a sugar pill by um, an average of of you know several months as opposed to several decades. So this is not yet a livable disease, and while it is a hopeful time right now, the goal is to to make our definition of a hopeful time something much more, uh, you know, swing for the fences in terms of let's let's make it so everyone can live with ALS until they're 75, 80, 85, 90 years old, rather than two to five years plus two to three months. Um, so we're, there are incredible advancements happening right now. Uh, 
in in terms of identifying treatments, but also in terms of understanding what the disease is. Uh, there's there's a large effort right now to understand whether you know is ALS is that really just an umbrella term, and are there different subtypes of ALS? that respond differently to different kinds of treatment. So does Andrea have a certain kind of ALS that responds well to uh, to to uh, interventions I, like exercise and yeah. things like that that might that might allow her to continue to breathe a little bit better? Um, is there a subtype that of people that look like her that could benefit from some of the things that she's doing? Um, and are there other subtypes that would respond to other kinds of interventions? Those kinds of definitional questions are being asked right now in the lab, um, and they're getting a lot of really good answers. I need to ask this question because I, I, when, when I was reading the book, and I'm paraphrasing, and again, I'm not going to do a deep dive here because you have to you have to buy the book. But you, there was this in the early stages where you were seeking guidance and it started with a, a finger that wouldn't work the way you wanted to work when you were swimming with your father-in-law, I think. Yeah. And who's also a Dave, and I think Dr. Dave, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The, if I, I'm going to paraphrase what, what I remember. There was a they didn't right away tell you that you had ALS. It's, you you might have you probably it's possible that you have ALS. Mm -hmm. Why did that take so long? Because I, I I've kind of forgotten mm -hmm. from the, during that period of time. Why did it take so long to give you a definitive answer to what you were looking for? So uh, a couple of reasons. Um, on average, it uh, takes a year uh, for uh, people to uh, be uh, diagnosed um, because it is such a wide-ranging uh, disease. It gets thrown in your bullets, in your, you know, in your finger, in your legs. Um, and when you are younger, uh, some doctors don't want to uh, diagnose that. Um, there is no uh, definitive um, test for ALS. Uh, it is a ruling out. Um, and then my symptoms um, appeared um, not all at once. They took months. Um, so that was... Uh, uh, confusing, and then this uh, term, uh, probable ALS, um, we thought meant um, that like rain, a uh, probable rain means that it might not rain. Um, what it really means is that ALS just hasn't uh, spread to uh, three or more uh, parts of the uh, body. Um, it was only at two. And so it is a misnomer um, and to uh, say that to a patient who doesn't understand um, the skill or how you uh, uh, diagnose um, ALS, it uh, creates a lot of 
I'm going to ask a real personal question right now. And if you don't want to answer it, say it's none of your business, Baldy. Mm -hmm. So as you're as you were just during the course of our, our conversation today, are you sound almost exactly the same as about a year and a half ago in yeah. terms of your breathing capacity and, and all of that is it am i right in observing that and because it you don't seem to be struggling much more than you were a year and a half ago and I, i'm sorry to be so sensitive but that's just an observation uh today is a good day um there are days where my voice is much more breathy um there are days i can walk better uh, with the walker than others. Um, I definitely feel like the uh, connection from my brain at the uh, time that it takes to get to the muscle is uh, slower. Like I can tell, but most, and Dave, I can tell, but most people, I can't. Mm. You shared some of the challenges of being able to participate in certain marathons because this was kind of a new, this was a new space, a, a new set of conditions for, well, for obviously for you, but then also for th those people that are responsible for effectively and fairly uh, having a, a marathon competition. And you, in some cases, you weren't allowed to participate because the the trike that you have was kind of new to them. And and I and I get it. I I I get it that sometimes you have to be careful of exceptions you make because you have to be thinking what are some of the unintended consequences if we do this. That said. Being a guy that worked around engineers for the better part of two decades almost, and then running with a, my good friend, the attorney, for 30 years, I've learned a lot about how you look at a particular situation or problem and ways you can solve it. To me, it seemed almost like a no-brainer that... This is such a unique request. Right. We're never going to have, but like, no, you shouldn't use never. <laughs> yeah, I bet you David was about ready to correct me there. <laughs> I mean, the odds of you having a like request right. for somebody that's been diagnosed with ALS, here's the trike, you already have wheelchair competitions, et cetera, et cetera. It just seemed to me, get over it and let Andrea participate. That, that was me selfish, but you're still having that challenge, right? There are there are marathons where you're not allowed to participate. Am I correct? Correct. Yeah, I will uh, let the attorney. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the short answer is yes. That there are definitely still races where um, you know we are starting from starting from from ground zero in terms of explaining the long line of races that have allowed her to do it 
but but are still introducing them to the idea of what in many ways what an inclusive race looks like and um, there are all different kinds of justifications that can come up some of which make sense some of which don't right candidly um and and all of which i think there are there are ways to accommodate her while while assuaging those concerns right if if it's a if it's a concern about runner safety um then she can start in front and be designated on one side of the of the race right if it's um if it's a concern about competition about her having an unfair advantage over over someone else i mean she's you know i i love her but she's she's she, she's not blazing down the trail on, on, on with like nitrous like she's in fast and the furious or something like that um, and and even more so andrea andrea loves to compete but she is she is doing this because she wants to be part of a race again, not because she wants to beat the woman to the left of her and right. the, and the and the guy to the right of her. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think I think it it is a conversation uh, that we have to have uh, a lot with races. Um, but I, I will also say that there are lots of races that have been incredibly yeah. open and welcoming from the start, yeah. and incredibly open and welcoming after we have started the conversation. So it's it's certainly it's certainly more the exception than the rule when when they have said uh no or definitely not. Uh more often than not, we we have found ways to work with races or races have have read her introductory email and said, absolutely, I'm on board. When can you be here? We wanna we want to share your story with our whole race community. Mm -hmm. so. David, I thought about you quite often as I was reading the book because it didn't take me very long to realize how competitive Andrea is. <laughs> and I just was thinking there are times you just lose. And Dave, I just there are just times you're gonna lose, Dave, because she's uh she's really, really competitive. You're just not gonna win. Is that fair? Yeah, there, there's. I mean, I I like to look at it as like even when I lose, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. It's a love story. That's right. I don't remember why I wrote this down, but you referenced the movie Taken, which is. I don't know why I love that movie. I I don't know why. It's just bizarre. Um, but so we have something else in common. I mean. How can you not like Liam Neeson, right? I mean, um, so you've finished the 50 marathons in the 50 states. How many have you done since then, by the way, since you reached that goal? None. Um, oh, you haven't done another one? No, um, I have done uh, two uh, half uh, marathons, and then we are uh, traveling. I know uh, with the uh, film and the uh, uh, book uh, seem to be in some. We are traveling more, uh, but uh, taking the uh, track less. Um, it got uh, squeezed out of the uh, car by all of our uh, merch. <laughs> I like the new shirt, by the way. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to get one of those. 
Andrew, let me ask you this question about the your expiration date. You're 10 years into diagnosis. From your perspective and what you know about you and what you've learned about ALS, how important has not just the goal of the 50 marathons in 50 states, but the activity, the actual exercise, how much of a difference in your mind do you believe the ability that you've had to continue to exercise on your trike or whatever else you're doing has made a difference in extending your expiration date? Yeah, um, it, it's been uh, critical. Um, uh, my uh, brand to bail us our, our response to uh, uh, exercise. Um, you know, some friends uh, don't. Um, their disease uh, progression is uh, so fast and so hard that nothing uh, that they do uh, will help them um, overcome their disease. But mine, um, it's I I can tell that I need to uh, stretch. I need to move like. I feel better uh, when I do, and I feel the yeah, muscles, um, at least, if not uh, getting uh, stronger, then at least I feel that uh, uh, connection, which means that, you know, the yeah, um, uh, connection is a loss. Um, I can do uh, exercise and muscle movement. Um, um, as far as the goal, um, the goal uh, kept me going. Um, it was something to uh, look forward to, something to uh, plan for. And um, uh, before I uh, set the goal, I realized that I was just uh, running away from. ALS. I was um, waiting for it to uh, take over and uh, uh, praying that it uh, didn't. But once I set the goal, it was like I was, you know, moving towards something, not running away. Mm -hmm. David, I have a question for you based on what Andrew just said. Your husband, a partner, friend, an attorney, I, I could go on and on and on. Um, when uh, Andrea set this goal of the of the uh, fifty marathons, okay, I don't if if I recall correctly from the last time we spoke. I don't, you haven't been a marathoner, have you, David? Not until March of 2023. I, uh, I did my first marathon this spring, thanks to this one, training me up, taking me on the trails and, and helping me out with all my, all the long runs. Um, but yeah, not, not until, not until after she finished the journey. <laughs> Congratulations. Which marathon was it? Uh, I was the tobacco road marathon right near Durham, North Carolina. That's an old Lou's Rock song, Tobacco Road, by the way. 
<laughs> did you love it? Did you have fun? Did you love it? Uh, but, you know, the last half mile was really <laughs> exhilarating. Um, I'll put it that way. I'll put it that way. No, seeing Andrea and and all of our friends and supporters along the way got me through it. Absolutely yeah. got me through it. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was an incredible experience. So, so then back to my question, not being a marathoner, married to someone that's competitive in that space, and now diagnosed with ALS, what were your thoughts about 50 marathons in 50 states? What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my initial thoughts were, how can we do this safely? Um, I... You know, uh, when she set the goal, the timeline wasn't what the timeline turned out to be. Um, and so I, I was, you know, my initial thought was, if we can do this safely, let's make sure you have lots of time to recover and let's make sure we can we can do it in a way that that doesn't um, that doesn't end up hurting you in the long run. Or if it if it, you know, if if it does, let's let's make sure let's make sure that it's actually fitting with what we both want our life to look like uh, going forward. And, and um, so I was concerned, uh, but at the same time, I knew in my heart and I could see on her face that, um, you know, it, again, it wasn't so much about crossing the finish line at 50, but about setting the goal and being able to set the goal. Um, we talk about Andrea being, being brave and and most people, think it's about, you know, being especially brave at that 50th race or something like that. But it's in many ways, it was just, just setting something absolutely as ambitious and crazy of a goal as that was, when everything about her body and this disease tells her and tells someone in that condition, that, um, they will not be around to see marathon number five, let alone marathon number 50. And um, so I knew it was important to be, to be that brave. And uh, if she, if she could be that brave in setting that goal, then the least I could do was be just as brave in in helping her set the first, first foot forward to get there. So. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's part of the love story right there. Yeah. You can run another marathon, David. <laughs> I am. I haven't picked it yet, but I am. I am definitely going to probably next spring. You should run the one in Fargo, because then you get it's flat. Oh. The, <laughs> the, the only hill in the Red River Valley is a walking bridge across the interstate. That's the only hill we have. That, that's it. It wow. is so flat. You actually get to run in two states, Minnesota, North Dakota. Flat, 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 flat. It is really flat. Hey, that sounds that sounds great. I mean, let's sign the paperwork right now. You got. In fact, you guys could stay with us if you wanted to. Oh, thank you, Mike. Andrea, why should people buy this book? I think uh, people should uh, buy this book if they are looking for a source of uh, uh, inspiration, no matter what 
of their going through in life, uh, whether it is an actual marathon or just uh, something that uh, challenges you, um, that it is a story of hope and what that means when a hope uh, fights back. Um, so I, it's, it's a, I mean, I like uh, hanging out in my head. <laughs> you like hanging out in your head? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to getting my book. Thank you, by the way, for sending me, uh, you know, the the PDF the, for my ability to, to read it so we could have this conversation. I don't like talking about books unless I've read them. And I just... That just seems kind of odd to me. I see people do that all the time in interviews, either it's podcasts or TV, whatever. I like to read them, and it it, it is, um, I think I think thirty six chapters, something like that. It three sections, about thirty six chapters. It's a page turner. It you'll you'll laugh, you'll probably cry, you'll be inspired. You'll learn about what true love is, and you know it's, it's kind of like slime the family stone, a family affair kind of thing at times. It really is one of the best books I've read in a long, oh. long time. And I would say that whether I knew Andrea and David, I don't know Meredith at all, but it is one of those books, a real page turner, mm -hmm. and. Um, Where's the best place to get it? Um, anywhere books are sold, um, Amazon or your favorite um, uh, Indian bookstore. Uh, we will have um, an audio uh, version uh, available, read by uh, Meredith. Uh, it'll uh, come out on. Um, uh, pub day, which is uh September fifth. Okay. Another question. You might not. I'm talking to listeners. You, you you might not know someone that has ALS or has had it, but you you will know somebody that knows somebody secondly you, you you will know somebody that has been given a diagnosis that just isn't very positive this is the kind of book you should read but more importantly you need to support the efforts of people that are working passionately to solve this challenge for those of us that might experience it. So that being said, Andrea and Dave, where can someone go to financially support your foundation and the research? Um, so where's that? Where should they go? Yeah. Um, so one place that they can go uh, is to goonbebrave.com. Uh, as part of our effort in Andrea's story uh, coming out in Hope Fights Back and in uh, featuring a documentary about Andrea uh, around the country this fall, um, we are hoping that Andrea's story 
can move from being a, a story of hope and bravery to actually a transformative story that that yields a lasting impact um, for people living with ALS. So if you go to goandbebrave.com, you can contribute to our impact campaign. And the funds from that impact campaign will go directly uh, into the labs for, for uh, in developing and enhancing research treatments, uh, treatments for ALS and research for future treatments. Mm -hmm. Did I hear you say there's a reason for us to have a third podcast conversation when the movie comes out? Did I hear, did I hear that correctly? Hey, if I'm running in Fargo, then you know maybe maybe the needs the, the movie needs to be shown in Fargo too, Mike. Yeah. I hear you're an important guy up there, so I hear you have yeah. connections. Yeah, you you had to have been talking to a family member because anybody outside of the family would say no. He is not an important guy. At all, at all. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for joining me again. Thank you for writing the book and sharing sharing the PDF with me. It, it was a, just a phenomenal book. I loved it. And I love you guys. I, I appreciate so much your being willing to share in such an open way. I think some really personal stuff in your life along the way that it takes a special person, a special couple to be willing to sometimes reveal things that you might not expect them to be willing to do, but you sure did. And I just love you. Thank you for doing that. I'm, I'm looking forward to receiving my book, by the way, I'm looking forward to the movie and then continuing to support you in this important cause. Um, what's the last thing you'd like to share, uh, Andrea and David? Uh, first of all, thank you uh, for um, uh, sharing my story um, and um, uh, for your listeners, I hope that you uh, just take some time to. Um, Appreciate what your body uh, can't do. Uh, that is when ALS uh, takes away. Um, it's all the little thing. Being able to walk in uh, nature, being able to brush your teeth, um, eating your favorite meal. Um, we have to end this uh, disease because it just is so uh, dehumanizing. It is not all marathons and books and movies. Um, is uh, tearing a lot of families apart. Thank you, Andrea. David, anything else? Or is that pretty good? That was pretty good. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Uh, see you in Africa. Thank you so much for joining me. I love you. Just have a great day. I'm looking forward to getting my book and uh, seeing the movie. I, I said, I just, I just, I just realized I'm talking to a movie star here, and <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't wait. When you're here to run the marathon, I have to have bring Andrea so she can autograph my book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Something tells me Andrea will be there. Don't worry. All right. Hey, thanks so much. Great to see you. Take good care. Thanks, Mike. I'm <laughs> sorry.
Thank you.